1: listeners this is Amy McKinnon national security reporter at foreign policy and this is foreign policy playlist let us be your guide to the crazy number of podcasts out there each week our team will recommend one podcast from somewhere around the world and this week I'm featuring source material a documentary podcast from vice news Source material is different from most podcasts in that there isn't a host. There isn't someone sitting in the studio guiding you through events that happened halfway around the world. Rather, it tells the story of major historical moments using on-the-scene eyewitness footage filmed by the people who were there. There are eight episodes in the first series, and we're going to spotlight the episode, Vlogging the Syrian War, which is based on video footage captured by a British guy, Abdullah Jabber, or AJ, whose family moved to Syria in the early days of the war, when he was just 13. He documents their life there as the war is unfolding around them. I love podcasts that are rich in immersive sound, that you almost feel like you were there and can see the scene in your mind's eye. And that's something that I think Source Material, with its unique approach, does fantastically well. Earlier, I spoke with Peter Lang Stanton, one of the producers of the series, to learn more about where this idea came from and how they go about piecing it together. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a small favour that would be a huge help. Foreign Policy is running a survey to get some feedback on our podcasts, and we would really appreciate it if you could take a few minutes to tell us what you think. What works, what doesn't work, what you want to hear more of, less of please go to our Facebook or Twitter page to find the link. And thank you. And now, to the interview. Where did the idea for the podcast come from initially?
0: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Basically, the idea was this. So right now, there's more cameras on the planet Earth than there are people. So we just have cameras everywhere in our pockets and we're just filming everything hmm. all the time nonstop and every day we probably produce more footage than anyone could ever watch you know if you, if if you sat down right after you were born and just watched videos until you were dead you still wouldn't get through you know a fraction of it so the name of the game in this modern digital world is curation like I- instead of mm-hmm always making something new, taking what's already out there, trying to find the signal in the noise and then repackage that for people and give that to them. Mm. And hopefully something new comes out of it. So we have, so we have that, all this footage everywhere. And then there's this other component that trust in media institutions is, was pretty low. And so we were trying to figure out a way to just get out of the way and, Give people the raw stuff, just the source material. Here it is, and we're going to cut it together for you, and you make up your own mind. And it's not filtered through a reporter. We wanted people to see the multiple perspectives of an event because reality looks different depending on where you're standing.
1: As you said, there's enormous amount of footage out there. And the episode that we're going to feature today is the one about the Syrian war. And I've read that there is actually more hours of footage of the Syrian war than hours of actual conflict. Wow. So how, given that huge amount of material, how did you go about sorting through and finding uh, AJ, this this kind of great guide that you have to the conflict?
0: You know, I was thinking about that beforehand, and I don't remember how we found AJ. <laughs> I don't remember who. Came across his footage. But uh, yeah. yeah, his name is Abdullah Jabbar. And he he goes by AJ. And he's just kind of this remarkable kid. Um, I mean, I shouldn't call him a kid. He's a guy. He's a full grown guy.
1: But he was a kid when he moved to Syria, right? He was what, 13? Exactly.
0: He, so he was a kid yeah. when he was filming all of this stuff from the Syrian war. Mm-hmm. He grew up in East London. And then when he was 13 he and his family moved to Syria. This is 2011, 2012. And they went there to do aid work. Mm -hmm. And so he just started filming what was happening for him day to day to send back to his friends so they could see, you know, this is my life in Syria, hey. And what ended up happening is he's just filming kind of normal stuff, getting new clothes and going to KFC in Syria. (laughs) But it's all in the context of this war-torn country and Mm -hmm. this this war that's raging on all around him. So it's this stark contrast. And all of us felt like, I I mean, I haven't seen anything like that from the Syrian war. None of us had. So we started doing this episode.
1: So one of the challenges for journalists in using found footage of conflicts and crisis moments is verification. And actually, Syria has been... A great proving ground for like for the kind of belling cats of the world in um geolocation and, and proving where and when footage was taken. how do you verify the footage that you have that it was actually taken, when and where people said it was?
0: Mm. yeah, that's a good so even though we were working with these people, it's their story. We're not narrating it. it's all them. Mm-hmm. We still were fact checking everything that we put out and everything that people said. And in terms of the footage, you know, let's take an example from this episode. In the end, in this town, Marut-Natman, my pronunciation is terrible. AJ is going in and evacuating people from this town that's getting bombed. And so we wanted to just check that that actually is that town, that this is really where he says he is, and we have no way of getting over there, especially during a pandemic. Mm. And so... We just looked around for other videos of that town. Does this look like what this town would have looked like in this time? Does this road look roughly right? And it was just, there's nothing really magical about it. It was just go- lots of Googling and trying to make sure and triangulate, is this the place this person said it was?
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was great to hear about, it's always really fun to hear about people's process and how they make their podcasts.
0: Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me.
1: That was Peter Lang Stanton. And here now is the episode, Vlogging the Syrian War, from Vice News' source material.
2: Hear the bombing right now. Getting the cars ready.
3: That's why we need people who has cars to come down here to pick up the families. So they're getting hit. Air strikes.
2: Where? Oh my oh, days! My God, that? <laughs> Allah. Allah Akbar, wow, you can see the smoke, bro. Look, you can see the plane still going past. Ahmad. That dot moving. The coming towards us, bro. Freaking hell. He's, He's right on top of the house, bro. Would you be inside, though? Is it better to be inside yeah. or outside? What if he hits this? You better hear than outside. I said you get free to go with
3: freaking shaman.
2: Alright, Alright, let's roll, man. Let's roll. Allahu Akbar, man. Alright, uh, let's get in. 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 Let's, let's, let's roll. Like,
1: jump in, From Vice News, you're listening to source material. Unnarrated. Unfiltered. World events told through the recordings of those who lived it.
2: Vlogging
0: THE Syrian WAR Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi
2: wabarakatuh It's your boy AJ and I'm here at my second crib in the barber shop just about to get my hair cut So while I'm doing this I'm gonna give you about 30 random facts about me Obviously, number one, my love's the barbershop. I'm here every week, getting my hair cut, gotta get a nice fade, you know what I'm saying? Growing up in the UK, the barbershop is a vital point of a young lad's life. Number two, my favourite colour is black, yeah? I know bad people say that's a shade, (laughs) but to me, it's a colour. You're gonna go there to get your hair cut and look fresh, you know, for all (laughs) of... You all know what I'm talking about. I am six foot on the dock. but people don't believe me, but I am, so yeah. Uh, I used to take my little brothers with me, we used to go and chill, sometimes wait hours for our haircut. Me, I'm a lazy guy. You have a little TV on for background noise, and you just got everybody talking about different things. When you walk into a barbershop, you always feel like you got like a sense of brotherhood there. If you know me in real life, and you can't take me seriously. Sometimes. Even well, you're talking to a person that you might have never met in your life, But they're like, oh, yo, young lad, how you
3: doing? You
2: know? One of the (coughs) biggest goals of my life is one day, inshallah, I'm going to travel the whole world. But yeah, that's really it. It's been your boy, AJ. Salam alaykum. A big inspiration for me when I was young was my uncle.
3: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi Alhamdulillah, we're here in uh, the blessed...
2: So my uncle, Tokyo Sharif, also known as Tox, as a lot of people call him. When I was young, um, he'd been doing aid work for some time. He travelled to Pakistan during the floods, he travelled to uh, Palestine.
3: We've been working on various projects uh, from flour to baking bread to Alhamdulillah teaching the children in the refugee camps.
2: I was very intrigued by the life my uncle lived, you know, the fact that he gave up everything to go and help Just people. it's a small
3: reminder from us, inshallah, that Allah says in the Qur'an, Allah says, what is wrong with you? That you do not strive, that you do not fight for the sake of Allah when the men, the women, taala, look at the small children here, you know, they need us.
2: And I thought that was something that was, so heroic and so, like, next level, I would say. And I always thought, you know what, one day I want to do something like that. Now, in 2011... ..the civil war started in Syria. People started coming out and protesting. And you know Bashar Assad decided to try and quell the protesting by sending his military out and shooting at the people.
0: And dozens of peaceful air protesters were shot dead by President Bashar al-Assad's security forces.
2: And that's what actually sparked the war.
0: The UN now reports Syria's humanitarian crisis is intensifying. More than 9 million Syrians in need of emergency assistance. And the United Nations says there are millions of Syrians in dire need of relief.
2: So, what happens is my uncle actually moved to Syria. uh, And we came out as a family and uh, we didn't plan on actually staying in Syria. The actual plan was just to come in, do a little bit of aid work because at the time, you could get into Syria very easily.
4: Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. It's 12.17 in the morning.
2: It was September, so school had just finished. I'm
4: at an event. I'll show you around a little
2: bit. Uh, So it's summer holidays.
4: Look, this is the ice cream line. It is massive.
2: When I first came, I did film here and there videos of myself and that little memories.
4: No and this is a Syrian bean thing.
2: So my life in Syria I would say went through stages. At the start from the age of 13, 14, I love every single minute of being in Syria.
4: We're gonna show you our crib you know this is the best house you can ever have. Look how sick it is.
2: I had a perception of Syria that I think a lot of us back at home have, which is bombs going to be falling everywhere. What am I going to do? I actually told myself, you know, I'm going to eat rocks. Yeah,
4: now we're just chilling in our house. Hey, you want a cup of tea?
2: But when I got here, one of the first things I saw was a chicken shop, and I was like, no way. Now, I'm not even going to say the chicken is anywhere near um, the KFCs or uh, even Chicken Cottage or Dixie, um, my favourite chicken shop. It was it was unfathomable because when I came, I was like, oh my days. There's groceries, there's people,
3: what's going on? There's no bombs.
4: So I heard this is a good stream. I'm gonna put my feet in. You know, I don't even know why I'm filming my feet. Oh, it's slow. <laughs> It's cold, bro.
2: A lot of my friends used to say to me, AJ, you're in Syria, bro. Are you crazy? And I used to be like, bro, I'm telling you, it's not what you think it is. So I started making the vlogs.
4: We love you guys, you know, you
2: people are the- My account was called AJ's in Syria. It was actually for my friends, so they can see that, you know what? There is bombs, probably in two, three towns away. There's bombing happening, but life has to continue.
4: Peace out, it's been a long day. It's your boy AJ, over. it's 8am in the morning and we are going to Idlib in this truck. So uh, we're going to go to an area that not many people know. It's like up mountain area and like, I'm going to try to vlog the whole thing. I'm sitting in the front seat, so shotgun that before Amir says he is. And yeah, let's see how it goes on inshallah.
2: The first year for me of being in Syria was going to the camps and filming distributions that my uncle was doing at the time. It's
3: the 29th of Ramadan, people are escaping bombing. It's not a freaking show. Wallahi, look at your brothers and sisters. Don't you feel ashamed?
2: So my uncle built an organisation out here in Syria.
3: We're coming and we're giving them hot iftar meals, but it's not enough, my dear brothers and sisters. They need a shelter. They don't need to be sitting out here, a show for all of us.
2: I used to film all of his videos and then I would edit it.
3: Why do we have to come and sit here and film these kind of things, it's embarrassing for us, we feel embarrassed.
2: You know when you're doing charity work, you don't really like to put a camera in people's faces, but we have to show the people that have donated, the people back at home, one what it's like for the people out here and number two where their aid is going. The
4: house is actually broken, it's like they're devastated you know, so we want to give them little presents. No, his house has just got bombed. He has to pay for this whole thing to get re again. We're giving him a little food pack and this guy's house is finished.
2: That was the start of my work out here in Syria. And then later on, Alhamdulillah, which means all praise to God, I actually got Uh, the chance to be in front of the camera and do the distributions for myself what's good it's your boy AJ and we're back in the camp subhanallah now you can see behind me this is how mad the situation is I'm getting like stuck in the mud I just want to make you guys understand or let you guys wow my foot stuck let you guys understand
4: give me me your hand cheese oh I'm stuck
2: I got stuck Uh, so, I want you guys to understand that this is the start of winter, Smiler. it's only raining a little bit. And if this is happening while it's raining a little bit, you don't understand what's going to happen next. So as I was saying, it's going to slip.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Red's full of mud, they all cracking up. You know the kids got to have fun. <laughs> Look at the smiles. Assalamu alaikum.
3: Shoot shoot so into. I'm not
2: So from the morning at 6 o'clock, it's just been pouring down. Right now all of the camps are flooded again. When I hit the age of 17, 18, after i had done the vlogging for a little while, I started getting homesick and the women were already saying that living under the bombs is better than living in the floods
3: this is what is
2: going on man you leave from the bombs and you come to this that's when i was like you know ever, what ever. i didn't yeah. sign up for this just the circle of period and we're here in the building that got bombed yesterday. All these tents behind me were hit with the rocket. I'm going to show you what the place looks like. It's crazy, man. Uh, the smell. You can smell the blood. You smell the burnt uh, flesh. It's smart. Like, man, I miss home. I miss my family. I miss my friends. It's like, you know what? I'm done.
0: My name's Kurt Jai and this is the Theories of Everything podcast. The show where we bring rigor to mathematics, physics, and consciousness, exploring Grand Unified Theories, as well as free will and God. Even exploring aliens with former CIA Lou Elizondo. Heated debates on metaphysics with Kastrup and Verveke. Imagine you are an organism that spans a galaxy. How does the universe look to you? Type in Theories of Everything on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all platforms.
2: Uh, I'd spoken to my family in the UK um, at different times telling them that you know what I, I want to come back the reason why I never actually committed to it was because of my uncle because he would always say to me okay cool you can go no problem if you want to leave you know you can leave that's not an issue but do you really want this to be the last thing that you've done or can you do more I think you know, a lot of people may think that the Syrian crisis is over. So the... Just because it doesn't make the news doesn't mean that nothing is going on. Use them out and get them to but yeah, we're on our way out. You know, one of the maddest experiences for me was the, the time that we went to Mart and Mart Noman was known as a bustling city. But when we went there the last time, we went to go and evacuate the people.
3: Uh, for example, if you have leave from your house and you can take just three stuff as a favor for you, what you going to take from your house? My grapes,
2: my wallet, my phone. Yeah, and what can. would you do? Me? Yeah.
3: I'm
0: gonna take my laptop and my bike and my family
2: (laughs) now the road was you know very quiet but now we're going into the danger zone because this is the road that is known to get hit but as soon as we get into Martinoman or even close to it I just hear (laughs) boom we've driven into this town now Planes are just going everywhere. I can see the smoke while I'm driving through. It was just crazy. Alaikum It's your boy AJ and we're here in Mar. subhanallah I've been here so many times on many occasions. But today we're here on an emergency mission trying to get as many people out of the city as we can. We get there, um, we start asking the people who can fit into a four-seater car, who's got the least amount of stuff. So you can see the situation, SubhanAllah, Um, people are scared, um, rushing to get out of here. Obviously, this is the reason why we came, because we saw a video, SubhanAllah, in the morning of a brother legit bawling out, crying, saying that we need your help, we need you guys to come and get us out of these towns. It was a commotion. Um, What I didn't show in the video, and I didn't really want to show this, was the people are just shouting over each other. People are panicking, they want to get out of the town, they, they're screaming. Um, there's people saying, no, we don't want to go in a small car, we want a big car. We're saying, look, we don't have that um, right now. We have a small car, if you're ready, let's go. ...by the people, because we're hearing that the regime uh, is trying to bomb the hell out of the city. They don't care who dies, and they want to take this city back. One of the guys says, you know what? Let's go. I need to get out of here. My family needs to move to safety. Let's get out of here. So we said, all right, cool. We roll down to his house and it's so sad. This guy had his kids there. Um, he's trying to pack for his family.
0: Oh,
2: so you can hear the bombing right now. Getting the cars ready.
3: That's why we need people who has cars to come down here to pick up the families because so they're getting hit. Airstrikes.
2: So we're putting the kids in the car And as we're putting the kids in the car
3: Where?
2: Oh my days <laughs> A strike hits like a couple metres in front of us Look you can see the plane still going past Muhammad. Just towards the side, I don't know if you can see on the camera You see that right there? That dot moving. It was nuts. And we've run into the house and we forgot that the kid's in the car. Bray's coming towards us, bro. Freaking hell. He's al He's right on top of the house, bro. Would you be inside, though? Is it better to be inside yeah. or outside? What if he hits this? You better here than outside, outside. you the That's close. So we run back out and the kids are just sitting there normal, like they've seen this every single day of their life and you got us <laughs> free running around, uh, one of us okay, wearing a metal
3: plate <laughs>
2: uh, Let's roll man, let's roll Let's roll man, let's roll, let's
4: roll <laughs> <laughs> Yalla
2: man <laughs> <laughs> Allahu Akbar man We were scared Alright, let's, let's, let's get in. 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 Let's roll. Y'all, jump in, bro. Are you going in that car? The reality is, when you're under that bomb, when you're when you're standing there, it is nuts. Well, let's get out of here, man. Smaller. And all you're trying to think about is, look, I need to get out of here safely. I need to get this family to safety. So much going through your head.
3: All
2: rushing to their cars right now. We need to get out of here, man. We need to get out of here. Frick, you know, that shook me <laughs> up anyway, we end up getting the people and the family into the car. We've got radios on us. We're trying to tell my uncle that we left. Um, the radios are not connecting. So we just drive out. We made this plan from the start. It keeps hitting the same place. Right, okay. let's get out of it, man. We get out of the town, and because the car now is full of people and the weight of the car is heavy. Yeah, we're driving slow. Cause
3: car's making some noise. Hopefully we're gonna get to Idlib. We end
2: up breaking down, right. like, literally a little while out of the town. We're here, we broke down on the street, finally. I went all the way down there, got some drinks, came back, told the boys that we're here. Team team's coming now. We're just drinking our barbecue. Still so waiting on the road. For the team to come and take us home,
3: home. So
2: We are sitting on the wall, families in the car, I feel like they're pissed now Oh look who's here,
3: room. look who's here,
1: room. look who's here. here,
2: wow Finally, <laughs> after two and a half hours of us being Mark No Man was a mad situation telling the people that you can just take what you carry like, think about it if you were in your house how many things would you want to grab the reality is, you know we have to be there for our brothers and sisters at the end of the day Our life is in the hand of our Creator, and that's how I see it. You know, if you ask me honestly, I would say that our time here in Syria is coming to an end.
0: When was the last time that you left Syria? Um, the last time I
2: left Syria was the same time I came in. I haven't left since I've been here. Um, so back in September 2013. Wow. Yeah.
0: Is your passport expired?
2: Yeah, my passport's expired. I I actually haven't renewed it. I haven't, um, done anything with it, um, while I've been here. But, um... More more important is the citizenship than the actual passport itself, you know? Mm, yeah,
0: yeah. So, AJ, so like we talked about on the phone the other day, we were producing this story. The story is about you coming to Syria and, you know, doing these vlogs over many years and having a really unique perspective on the Syrian civil war and the situation there. But as we were producing this show, some of the stuff about your uncle and some of the allegations there that are pretty serious came up. It's a
2: crazy, crazy situation. The allegations against him don't make sense. Um, A letter was sent to his home um, and he'd found out that he's lost his citizenship.
3: Well, I'm joined now live from northern Syria by Tokir Sharif who is from Essex and who has gone to Syria to support jihadi fighters there and to do aid work. I think you've introduced me wrong again. You say that I'm here to support jihadi fighters. I'm here to support the Syrian people and any people that are being oppressed. I think this is something...
0: Let's start with the citizenship. So your uncle, Takir Sharif, who goes by talks. In May 2017, he got a letter from the UK Home Office, the Secretary of State. It says, you are a British-Pakistani dual national who has travelled to Syria and is aligned with an AQ-aligned group. And I assume that means Al-Qaeda-aligned group. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what they're talking about?
2: Um, To be honest, no. I don't know what they're talking about. I know my uncle. I've worked alongside him for the last seven years. The guy is an aid worker. The guy put his life on the line to help the people here. So I don't understand where they got that from.
0: Hmm. The UK government right now and in the past year or two, with uh, the Syrian civil war coming to a close, at least it's kind of past its climax. Um, yeah. Everybody who went to Syria during that time is returning home and the UK government says they're having trouble figuring out Who went there, you know, to fight with ISIS or who was doing aid work? And, you know, what would you say to the UK government if they said, live updates from Syria, your charity is just using aid work to cover for people who fought in Syria?
2: I could tell you that straight up. See, even with my uncle's situation, um, I think we were hearing that, you know, even they were saying that he fought for ISIS. Now, I don't know if that was the British government or that was just hearsay. We don't work with ISIS and we never, ever did. And furthermore, ISIS don't like us more than they don't like uh, the British government or the British people themselves. So, of course, we would not work with anyone that worked with them and we don't even want to support them. My reply would be... To the British government if they're saying that live updates for Syria is a front of uh to do aid work, but actually they're doing something else. And um I would say we've been working day in, day out. There's not a time that we've stopped. From twenty thirteen, there has been work day after day shown on the platform. You know, we are showing exactly what we're doing. And that's the whole point of live updates for Syria. We're a bunch of aid workers. So that's, that's what I would say to them. I will say to them, go and check out the hours, the years of work that we have online because no one can fake it that hard, you know? Go and watch one of my vlogs. That's my daily life. <laughs> if you can see any time there that I have free to go and do something else or, you know, whatever they believe that we're doing, because that's not true. The honest reality is that that's how life is here. We're getting accused of like, some some crazy stuff and now it's happening from both both sides. You know, the British government is accusing us of working with um AQ aligned groups or Al Qaeda. Then you got um the the Al Qaeda groups here or the groups here that think we're working with the British government. Okay it's so it's so confusing but it's a crazy situation to be in because you're just like wait guys, what's going on? We just wanna work. That's all we've come here to do.
0: I mean, considering all of that coming from both sides, you know, do you think about closing up shop and, and leaving? Um, to be honest, yeah.
2: You know, I think that anyone that's come here, all of the aid workers that are here right now have to start thinking like that because it might come to an end for us very soon.
0: If you try to go back and the UK government is saying, well, we don't know what you did in Syria. You were there for a really long time. Yeah. Um, You may have fought for ISIS or you were associated with al-Qaeda. What would you say to them? How do you respond to them?
2: If I was ever arrested on those allegations, it's very clear what I was doing here. Obviously, they can't actually come and ask the people here what the situation is. But, you know, the people in Syria just know us. Anytime I walk down the street, it's, oh, hi, AJ. How you doing? You good? All right, cool. If you need anything, let me know. You don't get that. (laughs) You don't get that. Did ISIS get that happiness and welcome? No. Because why? Because the people didn't like them. Because of the mad stuff that they were doing. So if you're going to say that I was uh, really assisting ISIS... One, I've had so many death from them and two, it's, it's crazy. Why would I want to do that? I came here to help the people, you know, and it's very clear that I've been doing that. I've got a lot of comments that are like, you liar, you terrorist, you this, you that. Um, I've got pro Bashar people telling me that they want to kill me I've got um, people from outside, from Britain, from America telling me that I'm lying and I'm making the situation up but the honest truth is that's my life and this is what I'm living This is who we are, this is what we're doing here No, this is, this is who AJ is It's been your boy AJ, this is my outro, and um, peace. We contacted the UK Home Office regarding AJ's uncle, Takir Sharif, and his citizenship, but they said they would not comment on individual cases. We also asked about other employees of the charity, live updates from Syria, but the UK Home Office declined to comment.
1: And that was the episode Vlogging the Syrian War from Vice News' Source Material. My thanks to Peter Langstanton and Vice News for sharing the podcast with us. Check out Source Material's page on vicenews.com for more information and to see the videos made of original footage which accompany each episode. That's all for Foreign Policy Playlist this week. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, and if you want to suggest a great podcast, please email us at podcasts at farmpolicy.com. Our show is produced by Darcy Palder, Rob Sachs, Rosie Julin, and Zamone Perez. And our executive producer of podcasts is Dan Efron. Till next week. Vacation <laughs> sex is always irresistible. Gwyneth Paltrow. I could make it all about them and not have to focus on my own problems. <laughs> and Seth Rogen.
0: <laughs> so if you're wondering what your favorite celebrity or I would do in your situation, just listen and subscribe to Anna Faris is Unqualified. Free on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com